How about now? Yeah, I got you. Okay. All right, cool. Sorry about that. So, all right, guys, it's been a little while since I recorded a, a podcast episode. We've been very busy uh, at the shop and, you know, Christmas and all that fun stuff. Obviously, retail business is really tough um, uh, this time of year. And then on top of that, uh, we have a lot of moving parts uh, with the business and, you know, I'm helping out other things. And so that and getting guests is getting a little bit more, more and more difficult this time of year, especially. So, that, with that being said, uh, with this episode, I've decided to bring in a very good friend of mine, uh, Chase Turner. Uh, Chase and I uh, met when I was a very young and green Lance, and Chase was fresh off of active duty and decided to switch to the dark side. Uh, Chase was a sergeant at the time, and uh, Chase, I don't believe you were ever my platoon sergeant, but you were definitely my company gunny, and you were close. And It was a yeah. short minute. A short minute I had you. Yeah, it wasn't long. It wasn't long. Yeah. Maybe a month or so. But because uh, obviously I was maintenance and you were operator. And then, you know, as I got promoted, you obviously got promoted as well. So you were always a couple steps steps above me in the, in the food chain there. So um, the first time we met was actually a pretty interesting time for me. Your first drill, I believe, because your first drill was also with Sebastian. Um, I came in about a year ahead of Sebastian. Oh, did you? Okay, so... I remember you had come in with someone else, and then I think my first Archives. drill. Okay, yes. So my first, your first drill with the unit, um, the unit just all of a sudden out of the blue, we were we had known we were sort of a truck company. We were very much like growing, and and out of the blue, they decided, hey, we need to do something to do with machine guns, and then that's when me and Wesley. Uh, which for those of you who are listening, I believe Wesley was my last episode of the episode before where he's now a, a lieutenant in the National Guard. Um, so me and Wesley were sort of teaching uh, when we've never had to teach machine guns before. We were obviously relatively knowledgeable, but it had been some time uh, where <coughs> there was a lapse where you know we, we didn't have to teach anyone because we were a weapons company. And obviously, when we were a weapons company, me and Wesley didn't teach anyone anything because we were the ones being taught. We were the green guys. So when all the infantry dudes got out and they were like, hey, by the way, we need we need some grunts or faux pas grunts, if you will, to uh, to teach machine gun stuff. So that was our first drill. And it was a blast. We had a great time. And it's funny because that's sort of where the rest of my Marine Corps career went as far as like more like the training sector. So that was your first drill. Um with that, I think I was in for like maybe three years when you stepped on deck there, maybe like two and a half and some change. I had just got back from Motor T school. So I just lap moved to Motor T. You were obviously a senior sergeant coming from active duty to the reserves. So you spent how long active? Seven years. So seven years. So take me through the decision. Well, first off, let's talk about the seven years of active duty. What would you do? What did you do during those seven years? So I started, um, I joined, I joined the Marine Corps now being a recruiter. It's funny how it all came out. Mm -hmm. um, some people think about it a long time. Some people don't or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I made an impulsive decision to piss my mom off. That's the whole reason why I joined the military. Never thought about it a day in my life. Um, so I joined the Marine Corps. I was supposed to leave October 22nd. I joined July 25th. Um, and then I didn't listen to my recruiter. And so he just, he talks to my mom, moved my date up. And so I was supposed to be military intelligence. Thank God I didn't get that job, but that was what I originally signed up for. Um, and they were like, well, you got infantry, motor T and AV operator, which is like amphibious vehicles for anybody that doesn't know what that is. Um, 
And I didn't know what that was, so that was definitely not an option. And I promised my parents I wouldn't go infantry, so I chose Motor T. Uh, my recruiter told me you got lots of time off, lots of time to work out, lots of time for school. That can be true depending on what unit you go to, but I went to 29 Palms, California. Um, so at 29 Palms, California, I was there the entire time. Start off as a truck driver. Um, and all what my a training- shithole, what a shithole of a duty station. I loved it. So um, I was, I became a gym rat. And so that's why I love it because it's probably got some of the best of the gyms. Um, and it, you don't spend a lot of money there. So that's one of the good pluses of it. There's not a lot to do. Um, but so I, I started off as Motor T. Um, and like you're talking about how you're uh, kind of cross training, right? Motor T on machine guns, stuff like that. Right. Um, when I started getting ready for Iraq, they didn't do that. Like if you weren't a gunner, you didn't get taught nothing about machine guns. And so when I went to Iraq, um, a kid, um, or a Marine named Wilson mm-hmm. caught a cheater pipe to the head, 133 stitches, permanent twitch, migraine, all this stuff, um, because of horseplay and he got sent home and mm-hmm. you're going to be a gunner. All I do with my thumbs were my safeties on a 50 cal. My hands were white. I had the white knuckles. Eyes were this big outside the right. wire on a night mission. And this is all I knew. And I was afraid my gun was going to go off just randomly. Didn't know a thing about the weapon. So then I uh, eventually transitioned and uh, did machine guns my whole time in Iraq. Uh, became a senior machine gunner in the company. And I started training everybody on machine guns. Uh, went to Afghanistan in 2011. I was one of the first electronic machine gunners on the Crow's weapon system in Afghanistan, one of 10. Uh, not a big deal. Grunts didn't like it because it took a man out of the machine gun, out of the turret or behind the gun. So um, we got to take it. When we went, we didn't get to use it for six months. Then there's this big talk with colonels and stuff. And they were like, does it get a mind of its own and all this other crap? And then we finally go on our first heated mission or whatever you want to call it. And then we see all the army trucks with it. Air Force trucks have it. Like it's not, it's just the last, we're the Marine Corps, so we're the last one right. to get. So um, then 2014 did another trip to Afghan, met my wife right before. Um, and that was kind of my deciding factor because I was going to stay in. And then I just realized, you know, I'm always training. And if I'm not training, I'm deployed. And so I was like, it's not, it's not the lifestyle to raise a family. So I got out. And so that's really the stint of my active duty. Okay, so seven years of active, and then you just decided on because you came right from active to reserves, right? Or was there a gap? I had a ten month gap. Okay, so uh, explain that. Like, why why did we get out of active duty, and then all of a sudden on a whim you were like, you know what? Let's try the let's try the reserve side. I'm sure you can agree to this. Uh, no matter. Um, which I know you had a great time, so I'm not saying that no matter if you have what I've seen is no matter if you've had a bad time in the military, a good time in the military um, or anything, when you get out, there's a void there. It's a change. It's a drastic change. You miss your you miss your boys. Um, And so you're just like and and nobody speaks your language. And that's probably one of my biggest uh, pieces of the puzzle that I still have a hard time with. Um, And I think I think the funniest part about that is like. You know, like when we do stuff in the field and I mean, we were just like dead tired or, you know, we have been up for like 30 hours or we did all the shit and any little thing could be absolutely hilarious. You know, like you stub your toe or something so menial and we would all die laughing because one, we were very delirious. 
or just whatever story it was. And we found it so funny. And then I would get home and like, I would tell my wife like, Oh my God, dude, Chase stubbed his freaking toe, you know? And I would start laughing and she's like, Keenan, that's not, that's not, that's not funny, you know? But yeah, it, it, having, having people that sort of uh, speak the language or, you know, ha- have same, the same sort of shared experiences does mean a lot. And that's probably the thing that I struggle with the most um, getting out, like completely getting out uh, versus now. And it for a lot of people, it's not as bad because you can like work with veterans or, you know, like work with people who have the same sort of mindset. And um, obviously for me, I work for myself and the two dudes who work for me, neither one of them were in the military. Jared uh started with us probably about eight months ago. He retired from DPS, so he did 27 years as a cop. So we do have some sort of shared experiences as far as that goes, but it is different. Um, but one thing that really did help me fill that void, and a lot has to do with like your like mental, you know, like your mental state and your mental health too, is just having dudes to just share in camaraderie with too, uh, was I started doing jujitsu probably about a year ago. And uh, that really helps. That really yeah. helps, you know, because a lot of dudes that go there, the, the dude who owns the gym's a Marine. He's a really good friend of mine now. And yeah, ha- having that, you know, it, it's a big uh, it's a big thing. So I could totally understand the want for you to at least have dudes in your life. You know what I mean? That you get to see at least once a month. So I could totally attest to that for sure. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing, the, the realization, because I tried to join the Guard before I joined the Marine Corps Reserve. Uh-huh. Um, and my recruiter was trash and he still works there. Uh, when I, when I actually joined the guard, he said, Oh, you tried to join two years ago. I said, try five buddy. Uh, and then he was like, Oh, what happened? I said, you just weren't a good recruiter. And so that was the last thing we said to each other. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and then I went to a Marine Corps IRR event cause they were like, you can make 300 bucks for four hours on a Saturday. And I got around Marines in a uniform. I was like, Hey, what does it take for me to get back in? He's like, you're still in a contract. We'll just extend it. So they extended my contract. And I got, that's how I joined um, Baton Rouge, like a week before I got married. And so, and like what you're saying, I had 14 people in my wedding. Um, I probably had more if I built the camaraderie that we built at Baton Rouge, but right. um, But that was my first week. And uh, four, out of 14, six were, seven were military. Um, and then the rest were people I grew up with. I don't talk to none of those people anymore that I grew up with that were in my wedding. Not one. And they live right here. And they're, some of them are filthy rich, got amazing lives. And, but their loyalty and their reality of life, like it's not, I mean, yeah, we all want to make money. We want to have a comfortable lifestyle, but that's not the end game, right? The end game right. is about the quality of each other's time, building that friendship. I've got, you know, friends in Louisiana, you and Gar- Garland, um, I've got Denver, Colorado. I got two guys and we travel all around all the time to just see each other. So, yeah. And that's, that's a really big thing too, man, is like, I feel like regardless of how you felt your experience was in the military, uh, whether you had a shit experience or like you just had a really good time and you had a good experience, um, the dudes that you met are probably going to be, I mean, I, I wouldn't say all of them. Right. But I mean, majority of the dudes that you met throughout your time in the military are going to be with you for the rest of your life. You know, like, just like you, I mean, out of all the people that like I went to school with, uh, I mean, there's probably a couple people that I went to college with that I kind of talked to, uh, but like, dude, from high school, none, no one, 
unless they were like my family, I don't talk to any of them anymore. And all the people that like I talk to, like friends on a regular basis, every single one of them, I either met from my shop, like within the last couple of years, but like even then, most of them were in the military, except my buddy David. Uh, but like David, Jerry, most of the dudes that I talked to that like I didn't serve in the Marine Corps with, uh, I met through my shop, so we have that experience. But like, dude, almost all the rest of them, all Marine Corps. I mean, Evan, uh, Trace. Who's you that? know, uh, Dylan. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, but yeah, man, most of them, you know, and even uh, and, and a lot of them I have and they support you, too. Like, it's just a different level, you know, like a different level of friendship, too. Like, for example, um, Captain Jackson, he just bought a gun for me. You know, we were just texting back and forth and he's like, hey, this is sort of what I want. And I was like, bro, I got you. We explained everything. I mean, I'm obviously an extremely busy dude. So for me to, to send more than 10 text messages to a single person in a fiscal year, like that's a lot for me. And I mean, I sold him a gun and it's just that it's a different level of respect and friendship, I think, that we get from dudes that we serve in the Marine Corps with. And like that's one thing that I really talked to Wesley about, too. And like obviously that's something that I long for. I would love to get back in. But uh, the Marine Corps did not deem me fit to give me a rocker. So it's like, well, I mean, you, you, it's like a give and take. You know what I mean? Like it's a, like any other relationship. So, but my mustache is growing in, and I have a man bun now. So I can't. I don't really want to cut it, and so I don't think I'll you do just it. Want now. the girls to style your hair later. Actually, uh, Phoebe helps me some mornings. So I, I don't. Do, I don't do the hair unless I can brush it, and that's where it stops right there. I'm getting pretty good at some stuff, uh, but a lot of it, once you like, I, I don't do the, I can't do the braiding. This is getting long, so this is, this, I'm actually getting a haircut in the morning, so. Oh, no, like, dude, my hair, it's, like, down here now. Yeah. It's pretty sexy. Yeah, I might not ever come see you again. <laughs> All right, if that if that's what it means. I mean, it took me freaking six months to get you on the damn podcast, so. I know. I, well, both of us are extremely busy person. Yeah, that is I true. mean, how, how long have you had my can? <laughs> Oh, dude, a hot minute. Well, you, you bought it off the website, so I've had it for a year. Yeah. 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 You bought it off the website, I've had it for a year. But, yeah, so one got approved. We're just waiting on the BOGO, right? The free. Yeah. When did when did we file for that one? I don't remember. I'm just – I'm a patient guy because then I'm going to come buy more stuff. Just don't let my wife watch this podcast. Yeah, that probably is for the best. But I, I, am, I am starting to get a lot cooler shit. But, um, actually, I was talking to a dealer – they make like sort of like bougier Glocks, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Um, Shiny ones? No, it's just more upgraded. And you pay for the name. It's uh, called Langdon Tactical. Yeah, they make pretty decent stuff. And um, they heard that we were expanding. So they were like, oh, so now you naturally you can afford our guns. I was like, I don't think that's exactly how how that works you know what i mean but um yeah so actually i was actually talking to the general contractor today which i know you said you were interested in doing that as well um but yeah i was talking to my buddy arlen who's a gc which i can get you in contact with him he's a nice dude army uh he actually went to west point um i don't think and i've been trying he's another one that i've been trying to get on the podcast he owns the ranch that i used to work for oh yeah yeah so i actually had lunch with his wife today i went and bring her some stuff to they're they're getting gifts or whatever for their ranch staff which i probably shouldn't say that because it's for christmas but i think they're doing it on wednesday 
It's not like any of their staff probably listens to the podcast anyway, so we're fine. But um, yeah, so uh, they've heard that we were expanding, and you know they tried to like get in there and everything. And I was like, look, I'm not still still not interested. You know, even though I'm moving to a nicer part of town, it's still my money. I don't have an investor or anything like that. So they're like, oh well, okay. You know, I guess it is what it is. But I guess we'll kind of go from there and just see. But yeah, we're still kind of in talks about it, and I'm trying to get more tenant improvement money. And by tenant improvement money, I mean that I'm just trying to get them to pay for building their building, which they are really dead set on me paying for, which doesn't sit well with me. You know? Yeah, no, it's a hard. I, I like uh, like I told you, me and my mom are getting a little bit of an argument about it, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm not. Yeah, I'm because if I was a tenant, I'd probably be hard about it too but then at the same time i understand where you're coming from and it's kind of like a double-edged sword no matter which way you go at it and it's kind of well i feel like it, it would be different like for example my landlord in garland right i tried to expand where we currently are and i wanted to break down the wall and expand into the new suite which i was fine with paying something because i'm incurring an additional expense on my landlord yeah. right um, but a lot of the tenant improvement that I requested in Garland, I wasn't willing to pay for, like, for example, to redo the flooring because it smelled like smoke. And, and I was like, look, I'm not interested in, in, in paying for that because it needs to be changed anyway. Now the construction to tear down the wall or to build the, you know, to build the frame to, cause I needed an office. I was like to build the office. I'm like, I'm fine with paying. It would have been like 12 grand. And I was like, I'm fine with paying that. And we can sort of you know, make an arrangement as far as like free rent goes since I'm incurring an additional expense. But like this dude wanted me to come out of my own pocket like 95 grand to build out his building because it's totally unfinished. Like when I tell you it is raw ass concrete, raw concrete. No, I agree. Like, yeah, like, and I'm like, dude, I'm not interested in building it out for you. Yeah, I think that you should incur, like in my opinion of a tenant, you incur the cost of what you need to be specialized for your store but anything that's walls creating any kind of structure that once you're out that they probably won't use anymore right. then they should incur that cost well i feel i feel like if my build out was major or it was like super different or super weird but i mean okay so here's exactly what i'm asking for so first off a bathroom is that's mandatory right i mean it's it's co applicable so they were offering, I think, 85 grand for tenant improvement, but it's not really tenant improvement. It's just, um, uh, for the most part, it's just like code compliance. Like to get it from, it's called a uh, white box finish out, where it's just like four walls, paint, flooring, electrical's done. There's a bathroom, HVAC system's done. Basically, I could go in right now and get a get a certificate of occupancy. Like it is ready for business, and then from there. Uh, you know, I need an office. I need a, you know, a safe room. I need uh, a barber's chair. All that stuff is additional expenses. But for the most part, I shouldn't have to pay that either. Like I'm signing a five-year lease. You know, it's like I'm, it, it'd be one thing if I was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be in and out in a year. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, for that, Keenan, you're going to have to pay up front. But it's like, dude, I'm going to be there for five years, paying six grand a month. Yeah. You're going to get your money back. You know, the building's not going, even if I were to leave in five years, the the shit is still there. Yeah. And if you were smart and thinking about opening a gun store, like it really wouldn't surprise me if two months after I left Garland and moved to Saxe, if another gun store didn't move in. Yeah. I mean, that that would be smart business, right? And I I mean, I'd, 
I'd be kind of butthurt that my landlord would do that to me because I was very good to him. But also, it's business, yeah. you know, which that's another idea entirely. But anyway, I'm sorry we went off a, I went off on a tangent about that, which we talked about that on the phone too. So I never yeah. got to quite finish that finish that story. But yeah, so we're still in we're still in sort of talks. I'm trying. I'm asking for about twice as much TI money. Um, they wanted to offer me like a shit ton of free rent, which I'm like, listen, let's meet in the middle. Give me more TI money. I don't need a year of free rent. Give me six months free rent. All the TI money I want, I'll sign a five-year lease at the agreed-upon rate. I'll sign it tomorrow. And supposedly they're thinking about it. And I was like, look, I mean, while you're thinking about it, I'm still shopping around too. You know what I mean? It's like it's the first person to give me what I want in a in a in a town that's sort of not building a lot of retail businesses. So but anyway, I digress from that nonsense. So we talked about um, obviously your decision to, to to join the reserves. Okay, so you obviously wanted that camaraderie again. Was that the? I know that was a major factor. I'm sure, right? You wanted you know to get back in the Marine Corps. You you wanted something to that avail. But were there other factors as well? I'm sure Tricare. I didn't know anything about it actually. My first drill was before the drill you were talking about uh, was Gunny Handcar's last drill. Um, and it was a fam, it was a family drill or whatever, family day drill. That was a very, yeah. that was a very weird. But yeah. let's not let's not talk about that on 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 a podcast. Yeah, no, I I like lost my mind day one on the the check in on everybody in in the whole unit. Um, but uh, actually, so they had a dude. Um, I'll have to I'll text you his name, but they had a dude who actually rent. Yeah, he, him and uh, Ann Carr were very close, mm-hmm. and he uh, wore three stripes up, cross rifles in the center, and he was pretty yoked. Yes, yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, he actually re-enlisted, like 100% re-enlisted into the IRR, so it wasn't like obligated. And then when he found out Ann Carr was popping smoke, he dropped. Yeah. It's like, like really? Yeah. Like really? Yeah. No, there's some, like. Some people- it's a well, and I went into it with a bad mindset because, like, a hundred percent, when when you're coming from active duty, you have done nothing but talk trash about the reserves your entire right. time, and so um, it was a it was a huge eye opener. I mean, I uh, everything that I've done, I've had to swallow some sort of pride, right? Like, just every every shift I've taken, but I mean, the humility has taught me a ton. Um, and I think the reserves is actually harder than active duty. Um, and that's because you're putting all these pieces together, especially from the world I came from at finalizing as the company Gunny, trying to put all the training together, all that right. crap together, fight I and I, um, and try to let it be our shop and all that crap. Um, but uh, it's like, you have to get all your PTP training done every year so that you're qualified to deploy and you may never deploy. And you gotta do that on cycle. And like, what what range we burn like forty two thousand rounds in, I think freaking two and a half days or two days. Yeah, just an obscene amount. And that's one thing that like uh, when I went to uh, marksmanship instructors course, that was one thing we talked about because the course that I went through was a hundred percent run. That's the only MOS producing school in the Marine Corps that is a hundred percent run uh, by reservists was the the coaches course that they put on for the reserves every year 
And that was one thing they talked about was basically it's 10 pounds, sh- you know, the reserves, especially as far as like training goes, you know, uh, it's 10 pounds of shit shoved into a one pound bag. And it really is like I was talking to a friend of mine about it. And uh, as a matter of fact, I got augmented out to help an active duty unit a couple years ago run a range. And they were so baffled at how like fast I wanted to move. Because I'm used to, dude, we have to qualify 130 dudes in two and a half days. And they got two weeks. And they have two weeks to do this, okay. you know? And that's one thing, because I was like, no, no, no. I was like, look, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm literally talking to like, you know, a full bird and, you know, several captains. I'm like, by far, I was a corporal at the time, by far the lowest ranking dude here and i'm like all right all right skipper here's what we got to do you know we need to do this we need to be up by this time i want you know if we're going a lot you know if we told range control that we're going hot at zero six i want to be pulling the trigger no later than 601 you know and i'm I'm going in here with a reservist mindset and they're like let's calm down bro we have this much time and i was like whoa like that's crazy to me you know how big of a difference it is but yeah it is it is tough especially when it comes to how much training you have to do inside that you know inside that fiscal year how much shit uh the reserves have to do on top of maintaining skills and proficiency on your mos on top of maintaining physical fitness on your own basically it it can be it can be really daunting and that's one thing that a lot of uh, active duty dudes who at least have never been in the reserves or never Bit on I and I, they fail to understand how difficult it is for a reservist uh, because on top of all this stuff that we have to do, I have a home life. You know, I only do this. I mean, we all know that, especially when you become, you know, a platoon sergeant and NCO, all that other stuff. I mean, we don't really work one weekend a month. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm constantly answering emails, text, me- text- texting people, hey, we need to have this, this, this and done before we step on deck. You know, so, I mean, you work a lot more. So it's not just one week in a month, especially on our side once you actually, you know, start, you know, getting a little bit of weight on your collar and things like that. So, yes, I do agree with you. Um, it is a lot more difficult to to be in the reserves, especially a deployable reserve unit. You know, like, that is a lot more difficult than, I think, being on active duty. And the other piece is uh, you, you have the option to show up. Like, nobody's going to come get you. And those... <laughs> They'll send a marshal, you nine drills, I'll send you, I'll do your discharge packet and I'll send you something in the mail that kicks you out. Yeah. Um, and then the other piece is um, in active duty, you get away from your environment. And some of these kids come from a bad environment and they go back to it. And right. so it creates attitudes and a lot of stuff that was beat out of them per se and, and all that stuff. Yeah, or basic training. Look at me, army um, and uh, boot camp, and and then it turns around and they go right back to that lifestyle. So it's a it's definitely a challenge, and then you have to make the decision because I tell everybody that joins the military it sucks. Like just first and foremost, yeah. I'm not sugarcoated. The military sucks. That's not what makes it fun. It's the people. I mean, one of the one person that made it the most fun that I had, and he was probably my biggest turd, is Creel. Funniest little dude in the world. He was funny, man. And I think I think that was another thing too. It's like he became more funny when we were all like dead tired. Like as a matter of fact, me and Creel, alone and unafraid. I think there might have been one more person with us, but me, Creel, and someone. We were at a machine gun shoot in 29 Palms, 
and I needed one part um, because we were going to be like, uh, you know, like disqualified or whatever from machine gun shoot if I didn't have like one rivet pin or, or something. It was just need like one thing. Dude, we drove like two hours back uh, to get it. We got lost on the way there and on the way back. We got lost. And then on top of that, because you have to like radio into like range control when you pull up to uh, what is it like uh, Fob Freedom or I forgot the name of it. And uh, we radioed into range control. We were sitting outside the gate for like, dude, I guarantee it was like 20 minutes. Either range control fell asleep or he was like taking a shit or something. But like they just would not answer us. And then finally I was told Creole, I'm like, Mark, let's just let's just go, man. Like I, I, I'm fucking tired, man. I just don't have time for this shit. And uh, but yeah, that was probably one of the more fond moments I've had with Creel was getting lost twice. We even went, we got lost. We went down a tank trail in a Humvee and almost got stuck. We pulled up like the range was supposed to go hot at like zero five or some shit, dude. We literally pulled up at like four forty eight. We were gone all night long. And then after that, we had to go hot. And uh, then Lieutenant Jackson was like. Did y'all just get here? And me and Creel were like dead, and we're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, um, there's some there's some crazy stories out there, especially with like AT. I think when Lieutenant Jackson at the time lost his ever loving mind, uh, never seen an officer lose their mind, and he's just he's he's just a uh, he's a well rounded individual. Like he just he just had a side to him, and you're like, wow, I've never seen an officer carry it so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and because I, I, th- I think that's the, when Kennedy did the death walk with the HDP or I never can do it. Uh, HDPs. Yeah, I never. Which I think I think he made more of a oh, a dramatic thing than it needed to be. I'm like, dude, we do this all the time. Like it's not that big of a deal. But uh, but actually, I think the funniest thing about getting an ass chewing from uh, Captain Jackson was because he's obviously he's an attorney. So he's very well-spoken, very well-spoken. And uh, getting an ass chewing from someone who's so eloquent is like almost, uh, I wouldn't say it's prideful, uh, but there's there's some level of pleasure to it, you know? It's like, I remember, um, what was the INI after Captain Kohler? He was a lieutenant. He was only there for a few months. Um, he was He was a Mustanger. Yeah, I can see his face. Um, dude, they drove the Cadillac. Uh, yes. Or no, he drove like a Toyota Super or some shit, didn't he? No, it was, it was like some sports car. He had a CTSV. Yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. Some, yeah. Uh, okay. Like, yeah. Like in Japan or something. Yeah. So I remember he chewed out. Well, you remember like uh, I think Latson like pop smoke early from 180 or whatever. Like after I left, and there was a big whole fiasco about that. So when we got back, Latson got an ass chewing from this lieutenant or whatever. And I, afterwards, like I talked to Latson. I'm like, look, man, I'm not, I'm not gonna beat a dead horse. You just got your ass chewed for like an hour and a half. Like, did you learn your lesson? Like, can we move on from this? And he literally looked at me and he goes, dude, because. Uh, he was uh, he was a Mustang. He was like a corporal or a sergeant in the infantry or whatever. Then he was like old as shit. And uh, Latson looked at me and he goes, "I think that was the best ash chewing I ever got in my life." He's like, "That was actually that was actually fun." I'm like, "Only you would say that, you know? Yeah. Like 
Only you would find pleasure in getting an ass chewing. Latson was probably the hardest kid that I ever had uh, trying to mentor without being too nice because he was always a pain in my ass at the same time. Yeah. But he probably had the most potential out of anybody in that command. And I think the funniest thing about Latson, because like when I first met him, I was like, fuck, like he's going to be like, man, like he's going to drive me up a wall, man. I know it. And actually, to this day, Latson is probably one of my best friends. Actually, out of anyone other than like residents of like the Garland area, like all my friends that aren't from Garland, uh, Latson's actually been to my shop the most. Yeah. I think Latson's been three times. He just shows up randomly out of the blue and he's like, oh, you know, I think I'll take this. And I'm like, Derek, you got to like let me know, man, because, you know, like I'm, I'm I'm not in and out all the time, you know. But, yeah, dude, um, that's one that's another relationship that I definitely treasure is uh, is uh, the relationship that I made with Derek. And coming from where we started, I would have never thought that our our friendship would be where it is. And it's just like, God, because he was just one of those, like, trouble kids that were just, I mean, constantly doing shit that he shouldn't be. And I'm constantly having to talk to him and mentor him and counsel him, you know. And then obviously towards the end, you know, once he got a little bit of rank, I think he calm, that calmed him down. And then, one, you know, I think the thing that really helped me with him was uh, uh, the more responsibility I gave him, like, the more I forced him to be mature, uh, that helped him out a lot. Like, cause if, if, if he's one of those that you, you know, he's a fuck up and you just leave him alone and let him fuck up, they'll never learn. So if I for like, if I give him people and I'm like, you can't be a fuck up anymore. Cause now you have three, three kids to look after, you know, that actually, uh, was one leadership skill that I did not learn in the Marine Corps. I taught that myself. And, uh, that definitely helped me with, with Latin man was just giving him someone or something to do, you know? Yeah, and I think I think that's one of the biggest, a uh, little bit off in right field on this topic, but uh, one of the biggest things that I think failed in the reserves, and I think it was more so, uh, I guess now Sergeant Major Rivera, whatever she's retired. Uh, yeah, but uh, I think it's uh, that meritorious promotion thing drove me insane. Yeah, they would force all these young kids to just have no. They see like just a spark of good and then they run with it but they haven't matured them at but all. even then sometimes bro it wasn't even a spark of good it was just they had four people ahead of them that they've tried and it didn't work so they're like all right next next up to bat is you know da, 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 da. as a matter of fact uh, my last at that i went to i was the staff in coic i was in charge of like like 20 dudes as a sergeant which i didn't know i thought hall hall was supposed to be there which we all know how that went you know what i mean but uh i went and uh, I'm not going to say his name because I think he's a sergeant now and whatever. But, um, dude, he was just being a bitch. Like, I mean, there's no other way to put it. He was just being a bitch. And, uh, I mean, we had a lot of shit to do. We had a lot of moving parts. We were, we were and, I mean, I was constantly running around because I was, I was actually running ranges in Alaska while trying to make sure that my dudes, and I'm, I'm not an operator. I'm a mechanic, so I'm just a babysitter at that point. But it's like I'm trying to make sure that all my dudes are where they need to be, you know, either appointed place and time and all this other stuff. And uh, old boy, we'll call him Lance Corporal B, uh, he would just fucking complain about everything. And you know me, I'm very non-confrontational. I'm just like, look, get over it. Well, you know, it got to the point where I pulled him to the side and I literally was like, look, 
we're here to do a job. We're here to do a job. You're going to do your fucking job or you can pack your shit up and go home for all I care. I do not care. I don't give a shit what you're, how you're feeling right now. I don't care that you're tired. We're all tired. We're here to do a job. As soon as the job is complete, we can go to bed, go home, do everything, right? Uh, I ended up giving him like way less than average pros and cons. Like I literally think I gave him like a four one four one. Like he just he had a major attitude problem, and I learned that when his attitude sunk, his performance sunk. Right. So obviously, when your proficiency, you know, in conduct, you know what I mean. So I gave him very low marks. I gave him like a four one four one, and there was no one above me other than Sergeant Major, and at that point because I was the staff in COIC. And uh, I sent it to her, and dude, she shit all over my pros and cons remark. Like, I'm talking like, and usually it's the opposite. Like, I'll put it way too high, and they'll dumb it down or whatever. But, dude, I think I, I gave him a 4141, and literally all she wrote in her comment section, she gave him like a 4647 or some shit, bro. Like, I'm talking it was so widely different. And uh, she was like, D I totally disagree with the platoon sergeant. After being corrected, his improvement, you know, his attitude improved. And I was like, were you here? No. no. You weren't even here. She was all, she was always a person about herself and hundred percent. I still agree. She, she could like, if you had the conversation with her, she made it sound like it was all about the Marines and it was hundred percent about her own career. And so, yeah, that was the biggest, but she did help on a lot of aspects too, like the administrative issues where we couldn't get to Vegas. She handled that, and so yeah. being a detachment or and dealing with that aspect is just another beast added to the <laughs> to the yeah. fire. So, which I will tell you this, man, she fought hard to get me a rocker. I will tell you that, and it wasn't until the end because me and me and her did not see eye to eye at all. But you know me, I'm not a yes man. I'm like, look, like if you tell me to do something, I'm like, hey, look, Staff Sergeant, that's just fucked up, right? We're not doing that. We can't do that. This is not happening. This is what we need to do. You know, whatever, whatever. And because of that, obviously, we never saw eye to eye. Like, I flat out told her, on a range, we're hot. She wanted me to drop my pack, fucking head on to Quantico to take a, an instructor's oh, yeah. course. I and I was like, I was like, no, I'm here. I just told my boss an hour ago that I'm going to be at work on Monday, and now you want me to go to Virginia. And, dude, she called me fucking livid, right? And that was – and actually, the first drill that she stepped on deck, I pinned on Sergeant. First drill. And she tried to take it away from me saying that I wasn't PME complete, which obviously in the inactive you have to – which I think it's different now. But uh, I didn't do the resident corporal's course. I just did the non-resident, which is the only requirement. So I did it, and I got promoted. And, uh, dude, she, she went through hoops and bounds to take it away from me, saying I wasn't PME complete, yada, 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 yada. And then I remember Staff Sergeant Olivero and Staff Sergeant Perez, uh, which actually Perez came to my shop about a month or so ago. But, yeah, they both went to bathroom. In Texas? What's that? Is Perez in Texas or just driving through? No, he lives in Florida. He was visiting some family, I think, in Corsicana. I could oh. be very wrong. I'm probably wrong about the city. But, yeah, he uh, he was visiting some family, and he just passed through. I ordered a specific gun for him, so he came pick it up and everything. But, um, but yeah, so she, I mean, after that, I mean, that was our first interactions with one another is she gave me a, um, I had been a sergeant for less than 24 hours and she gave me a negative counseling for not being PME complete as a sergeant. I was like, what? Like, 
my shoulders still hurt from getting pinned earlier and I'm getting a negative counseling. And um, after a couple of years of working together, we started to get along. She realized that I was not budging and I'm not like everyone else. Uh, and then she eventually put me up for staff. And I did tell her, I was like, hey, Sergeant Major, you know, like I really appreciate everything you're doing. Um, I don't think I'm ready to be an E6, but if you think I'm ready and the Marine Corps deems me ready, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do it. But I did tell her, I was like, I just want you to know that this is the defining factor for me. Um, if I don't get selected, I'm getting out. She's no. like, oh, oh, you put so much pressure on me and whatever. And I was like, look, I, I, I don't mean to. But I'm just saying, like, even if I wasn't up for this board, I was I'd, I'd be getting out. But I was like, I'm giving you one last huzzah to keep me in the uniform. And it was that uh, I ended up losing to a dude. He had a fucking bronze star. And it's like, OK, like, yeah, no, okay. I, and that's the hardest piece about that board. Uh, so they she offered me uh, meritorious gunny uh, after being a staff sergeant for six months. And I was like, one meritorious gunny a year in the entire nation. They're not going to give it to a six-month staff sergeant. And, uh, and you know what? Actually, I would I would, I would, would have been under contract till three months ago. And you know the reason why I never was? Because of the page the page 11 I submitted for my tattoos and active duty never got input. And then I submitted it when I got to the unit. Then I submitted it um, a year later in the unit. I submitted it in May when they forcefully extended me and I never signed my extension. And I found out through the, or I was actually looking at switching units and I called the PSR and he's like, no, nah, man, you're still under contract. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, Benjamin Finney extended you. I called him. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I chewed ben Finney's butt. And he's like, yeah, man, we just thought you'd come in and sign it. And I'm like, you don't think you'd give me a phone call beforehand? Like, like right. this is illegal. Yeah, and literally. Yeah. And so then, uh, um, so they did another page 11. Then I was at a career course. In Quantico and Kiss did my measurements and my pictures again and then put it in September. Simon emailed me and said, um, hey, man, for that. first off, ask for that fucking dude, man. God damn. I could go off for an hour and a half about how much of a piece of shit that dude was. Well, but that was my that was my reenlistment and I was up. And then he said, Hey, I need your page eleven for your uh, tattoos. And I was like, uh, hey man, I'm just gonna go ahead and take this as a sign. I'm just gonna get out. And he goes, uh, No, I need that page 11 for your tattoos. I said, The next response you send me, I'm gonna tell you go fuck yourself. So you choose what you want to send. And that was the last conversation we had. And then, uh, then I got called in the office and uh, first time reserve was like, I know you have a lot on your plate. I missed a final in college because I was doing meritorious packages. Um, and so then she's like, I know you have a lot on your plate, but. Uh, but we can delegate. I'm like, I know how to delegate, but this crap doesn't need to be delegated to anybody because I disagree with it. And so then she said, uh, well, and, and we're going to put you up for meritorious gunning this year. And I was like, no, I'm good for a I'm done. So then yeah. I did that fundraiser to raise the money for through, you remember the arrow precision that you put the weapons together? Yeah. She tried to tell us it was illegal that we didn't use. I was like, no, we're doing legal background checks, running it through a civilian business. It has nothing to do with the military. All the funds are going to a local military unit. I think we raised, what, $4,500 or something like that? Yeah, it was a decent amount, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, and then that – and uh, so when the, she put me up, and I, I'm very much like a negative – like I try – because I'm the type of person that, like, if a certain idea gets in my head, it, like, consumes me. 
don't know why that's just who I am. And so I try to be really negative when it comes to like potentially positive things in my life, like this promotion, for example. I was like, look, there's no way that I'm going to get it. I'm not going to let anyone get to my head. Um, it is what it is. I, you know, if you know, if I get it, if the Marine Corps deems me necessary, then cool. But I don't think I'm going to get it. I think I'm just going to get out. And dude, I let her get to my fucking head so much. She's like, no, like, and then uh, Shauna signs, right? Because uh, she was put up, which, uh, yeah, she was put up, which, I, yeah, just like Gunny, right? There was one slot for meritorious C6 in the in the entire reserves. In the 3500 field, so I'm competing against, you know, wrecker operators, I'm competing against mechanics, you know, operators, everything, right? 3500 field. And it's the same thing for Shauna, which she was active reserves, which is arguably more, you know, competitive than the, than the you know, than the um, uh, SMCR. And so I let her get to my fucking head, dude, and I shouldn't have. And she's like, no, like, you're pretty much a shoe-in, like, you got it. I spoke to several sergeant majors about it and the colonel and, you know, whatever. Like, I even did a Skype call with some colonel, whatever. He was asking me questions, and I was explaining to him, like, sort of, like, where I'm going with my life. And, like, I let it all get to my head. And then Lieutenant Penton, who was the I and I after the dude that we can't figure out his name, um, he even told me. He's like, yeah. And I heard you pretty much got it, bro. I was like, shut the fuck up. Really? So, like, I started, t- like, I told my wife, and I was like, baby, I guess, I guess I'm going to stay in, you know, I guess. And then, of course, I check, and I didn't get it, and I was like, bruh. Bruh. Like, y'all should just let me be negative in my corner and shut up. But, like, I let them all get to my head, you know, and uh, that was, uh, that was, that was so annoying for me. Because I didn't think I was going to get it, nor did I think I deserved it, but I let them all get to my head saying that saying that I got it and, you know, I was going to – whatever. And then I would have outranked Evan, which would have been awesome for me because sharing the same rank with that dude is frustrating. I, I'm the reason why – well, he he got the, the package, but I'm the one to put it. <laughs> oh, yeah. man, that, that kid, uh, he's, he's an amazing soul, but goodness. Yeah. Yeah, so I love him to death. He's one of my closest friends. But one thing that's really funny is uh, every time I talk to him, which isn't as as regular as you'd probably think, but every time I talk to him, it's like Marine Corps affiliated. The conversation, and it's like Evan, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Like I've been out for two years, man. Like you know that part of me is gone and. Let's talk about like what what's your civilian job, man? What are you looking for? Are you going to you know grad school or you know like what what's on the horizon for you? And everything is just Marine Corps, Marine Corps, Marine Corps. And look, I I give it to him, man. I love the dude to death. But it's like I just that part of me's gone, man. Like you know, I, I have the T-shirt, you know, I have the, the shit plaque behind me, you know, like I have everything to prove that I was in it and everything. It's just that it just I refuse to let that be who I am as a person. You know, like, I'm just not one of those people that allows that to consume my personality, you know, which is funny because it's always the and I'm not, you know, I love Evan. This isn't about Evan, but um, my brother, for example, right, got an OTH. Mm-hmm. He is the Marine Corps. And but that's a trend. It's not just lame. Like, that's a very common trend. Like, you have a lot of these dudes who get out the military who had a shit time, right? They had just a shitty time. They were either not good or the Marine Corps wasn't good to them, which is common. 
and they allow that to consume who they are as a person. And like that becomes their personality. Like I meet you at a bar, Keenan Alamo, Marine Corps veteran. It's like no one cares. Physically, no one cares. You know, it's like, dude, I, I spent nine years in a day in the Marine Corps and I loved it. I did. I really enjoyed my time, you know, which isn't a common thing that you'll hear people say, but I really enjoyed my time in the Marine Corps and I recommend everyone do it, right? Because I didn't have a negative experience. I had a relatively positive experience. You meant National Guard, but I'll, I'll forgive you. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to take away from you. But um, but I don't allow that to become who I am. Like, you actually have to relatively know me, or I have to be wearing a T-shirt for you to probably have an idea. But if I'm wearing, like, something, you know, that covers my arms, which now I have tattoos on my arms, which was another reason why I got out. So I got out because I got passed over for E6. And at the time which is different now, but um, you only rated travel if you were a PME complete E6. So I was like, okay, well, first I have to get E6, and then I'll have to go to Staff Academy to be PME complete, all that fun stuff, and then I'll start getting reimbursed for travel. I'm down. That was the first thing. Now, sergeants who are PME complete now rate travel, and it's like, what the fuck? And then second, at a much lesser rate was the reason why I wanted to get out was I wanted sleeve tats. Got him. Well, I got one, and then this one's just a half sleeve that cuts off at the shoulder. By the way, did you see the John Bassalone tattoo? I saw pictures of it, yeah. That's pretty sexy. But, um, yeah, so I get out because I'm like, yeah, I want sleeve tattoos now, and I get them. And now the Marine Corps is like, you know what? That's going away. Now what? You know what? Let's, let's, let, let's let these guys be, uh, be warriors now. Let's not worry about, you know, being pencil pushers and looking like consummate professionals. Let warfighters be warfighters. And now they allow tattoos, and it's like, bruh. It's been nine years. I couldn't have it. I get out, which one thing I did tell Wesley, which I was like, you know what? I would like to think that I had some small part to play in that policy change. And he's like, yeah, bro, don't hold your breath on that one. I was like, I'm not, but I would like to think that I am. But um, anyway, aside from that as well, let's finally get back to you, guest. Uh, (laughs) Let me uh, stop talking about myself so much. so, uh, obviously, you were in the Marine Corps. You decided all the shit going down that, you know, Gunny wasn't in the cards for you. And you decided, you know what, fuck this shit. I'm just, I'm just going to get out of the Marine Corps. Walk me through that. Walk me through that thought process. So, a lot of people do not know this. And it's something I tell um, some of the um, people that I... Uh, do presentations for classes and, and we haven't said this but i'm an active duty recruiter now so um so it's a it's a different role and nothing i imagine do it but we'll talk about that in a little bit um but uh so not directly but lightly my father-in-law owned an oil and gas company and i was working for it while going to school full-time for petroleum engineering and doing the marine corps reserves um and my executive vice president which was my boss of commercial services got cancer and so he went ahead and um, stepped down he was a partner of the business and so they didn't have anybody that did contracts vendor relations uh, purchase orders and work orders um, all the the safety regulations Um, so I became the supply chain manager the regulatory manager and the production tech for the company and so but he said I could not go full-time until I was no longer in the military and it was lightly said but it was said 
Uh, right. And basically, I knew what my parameters were, and I was like, easy day, oil and gas, upstream, top dollar, business, benefits are going to be great, let's do it. And my wife was pregnant. Um, so that was the other piece of the puzzle. So she was pregnant with our second, um, which are all named after guns. Um, and then uh, when I got out, I think I spent 13 grand that year in healthcare alone. And when just if I just stayed in the Marine Corps for three more months, I would have spent zero dollars. And so um, that was a big learning curve for me. Um, it didn't affect me. We were good financially, but I would like to have it still sucks. Yeah. yeah. And so um, we uh, and so I did it. I did it for three and a half. I loved it. I was uh, I was I was able to come and go as I pleased. Uh, when I was working part time, I still work 60, 70 hours a week because that's just the way I'm, I am wired. Um, so and I was doing the reserves 30 hours a week with all the administrative BS. And there were some nights I'd sleep on my office floor and get up and th for three hours and run home, shower and turn around, come back to work. And so um, I think that's the crazy part about the military that a lot of people miss is just that high tempo atmosphere. Of go, 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 go. Um, and you just really can't find that in the civilian world. So, um, and then, which let me pause you there for a second. And that is one really good aspect that a lot of employers, for example, um, because when you have someone who's in the military, who's sort of, which it, it's weird, right? But the military teaches you, uh, how to be good employees but not great employees, and I'll explain. So as far as like from the employee employer sector, right, that, that hat, um, most dudes in the military are very good and they're very task-oriented, right? So if I give you 11 tasks to complete throughout the day, at the end of the day, they're probably all gonna be complete. But the thing that the Marine Corps, or not, let me, I, I was, I've only ever been in the Marine Corps, so pretty much all of my you know, um, knowledge is going to be based on that. But I just think in the military in general, they don't train you how to look beyond to task 12, if that makes sense. So I think, I think in the tiering it does. So it's the steps of leadership, which Marine Corps is stronger at, but. Yes. Yeah, so, but like my main thing is like, okay, like for example, in the civilian sector, when I give an employee five tasks, which may be too many for some people, the chances of all five of those tasks being done are very slim. Uh, now, if you employ like a veteran, if I give someone five tasks, those five tasks are going to be done. They're going to be done in the exact manner, you know, with a commander's intent and all that fun stuff. They're going to be done in the exact manner that I want them done. But the problem is, is that and I, I've said this in a separate podcast, someone else's podcast is the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps makes really good salaried employees. They don't make good hourly employees, right? So if I'm if I give you ten tasks, you're going to complete all ten. But once you're done with those ten, most dudes are just you know in the Marine in the military. Once you're done with task ten, they're just like, all right, nice, and then they chill, right? They don't look for an eleventh task which is something that as an employer we want, right? I want you to stay busy. I want you to continue to to further my own business as well. So anyway, sorry to, to, no, yeah, to take no, away I, from that, but that is something that, you know, like obviously I did talk about separately, you know, um, but it, you know, that, that is something that 
a lot of dudes when you get out the when you get out the military, it's good to maintain that I'm gonna finish everything mindset, but also you always need to be looking for the next next task or next thing. What potentially could my boss want me to do next? You know, like I said, I mean they, they make good salary employees, but when it comes to hourly hourly workers, they're not very very good at that. Yeah, and there's a twofer on that because uh, the military teaches you a lot of different or leaders use different tactics yeah you know you get done you're done and then when you're done they're like oh wait we got to do this this and this it's out of my control somebody else said it and so people and then yeah also on top of that too it does it does depend heavily on who your leader was right you have some dudes that are super micromanagerial which i fucking hate with every facet of my being i hate it i hate being micromanaged and i hate micromanaging people but if you have a leader who is a micromanager, they can give you, say, hey, Chase, I need you to do these five things. And once you're done with number five and you find something to do, they're like, whoa, 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 did I tell you to do that? And obviously I despise that. So, yes, I do understand what you're saying as well. Um, you know, it does it does depend heavily on how you were molded from your leader, whether they were, you know, what someone consider toxic and be micromanagerial to sort of like – you know, like sort of like how I was and it's just sort of like, hey, you know, when you're done, try to find something to do. But if not, whatever, you know, but I was also very much like a hey, I don't give a shit sort of I don't you know, it's whatever sort of mentality. Yeah. And and but that's also the leadership traits. It's, it's like when you're when you're doing the promotion pieces, it says uh, minimal supervision looks for next tasks doesn't need like can handle the whole load for the day without any without any follow-up or anything like that so um and that's why um because people considered our little crew at baton rouge favoritism or whatever but y'all were the guys i didn't have to go find to find what was next to do you always came to me and were like hey is there anything else we got to get done for the day um, right and, and that's that's what I think develops growth. Um, but and and the Marine Corps is the best edit in the leadership aspect because they force leadership. It's not an option. Um, yeah. And in the Army, you can be an E4 for freaking ever. So. And that was one thing, like when I talked to Wesley about his experience, because his experience was enlisted in the Marine Corps and then commissioned in the Guard. And that was one thing that he said because it's so vastly different on how uh, leadership and authorities portrayed in the different branches. You know, like in the Marine Corps, as a sergeant, you are you are everything, right? As a sergeant, we're the backbone of the Marine Corps. You know, and to a lesser extent, a corporal is just as important as a sergeant. Where he's like, yeah, man, in the army, it's just vastly different. You know, it's just you know, like yeah, you don't really get any sort of authoritative role really until you're about an E6. E7. Yeah. And like, I was like, man, that's, that's, that's really weird. And so, but I think in Marine Corps as a whole, uh, trains like just leadership better because we're taught it at year three, right. Or year four, or, you know, like, you know, and as a corporal, dude, I was in charge of, <coughs> I mean, as a corporal, I was in charge of 140 dudes firing live rounds like in other what other facet of any branch and you know at, and, at, and at what rank do i have to be to be in charge of that many people you know and, and that's the hardest piece of where i come from 
because um, I've learned, you know, I'm older and um, I've gone to college. I almost have a college degree in petroleum engineering. Um, I'm now doing cybersecurity. Um, I've learned that I don't want a degree. I'm going to get a degree just because I earned it and I've worked hard to this far to get one. Yeah. But I'm, I don't want to work for nobody. So what the hell do I need a degree for? I just need the specialization and, and figure out how I want to drive my business. But um, the, the civilian world was killer for me. Um, I was a fast acceler in everything I did. I couldn't connect with anybody verbally because I was too direct and uh, too too aggressive, I guess you would say. Um, and then the uh, and I've done I've done corporate subsea services side. I've done blue collar and branch manager of that. Went from inside sales to branch manager in two months. And then I went and worked for my father-in-law, which is like probably the hardest I would say because your family, so everybody shits on you. And then I worked myself up from the bottom and I said, hey, I'll be a good private. Yes, sir. No, sir. How can I help you, sir? To the point that I finally walked in his office and shut, slammed the door shut and said, would it would be easier if I quit my job. And he was like, what? What? No. And I just saved him about three point seven five million on a project. They never saved money on a project ever. Um, and he was like, no, you save us money. You're we need no supervision, all that stuff. I was like, fine, but I'm flipping the switch. I was like, I've done all this crap in my past and I'm tired of being uh, talked down to by all these old guys that have been in oil and gas. And I think day three, I told the accountant, I can slice your throat and watch you bleed out in front of me with a smile on your face. So um, that was, uh, but I mean, I was just done. Like I would have, I would have easily yeah. came up to me one day. He goes, Turner, you're our safety guy with CPR and AED. What if I had a heart attack? I said, I just try not to trip over you as I walk by you. And so that was, uh, but I mean, it was just to the point where I'm like, I'm, I'm done with you folks. Like y'all, y'all, y'all don't respect me. So I'm not going to respect you. And, and, and hindsight, I've done way more than any of these dudes did. They've sat in an office and just made money and filled their pockets. So, uh, but, but yeah, the military is definitely a hard lifestyle to transition from. And like when I talk to active folks, out the transition they say like you know i have uh they're like oh yeah but because I, I, I don't even i don't even think the marine corps is the best branch anymore and that's not me knocking the marine corps um because i love my time in the marine corps i wouldn't be who i am today. but i think that it's what are you trying to get out of it because one day the military will be over no matter what you do you're going to die you're going to get negatively discharged you're going to get discharged or you're going to retire those are your four options for the military and so, um, but the military is going to move on without you regardless. Right. And so what are you doing to set yourself up for after? And so that's what I think is the best branch for that person. What are they trying to achieve? Uh, and that was one thing that uh, when I talked to Wesley about it, you know, because I was like, hey, like, you know, obviously we talked about several different things, you know, uh, but the biggest question that I had for him was obviously he was in the Marine Corps and enlisted. He got super fucked on more than one occasion, decided to get out, get his bachelor's degree, pursue a commission and all that other stuff. So I asked him, I was like, well, what, what branch, you know, as a budding high school senior, Keenan, what branch should I join? And he, again, he said, well, depends on what you want out of it. But he said, most people I would probably push to the Marine Corps, right? And one one thing that I told him about was it's kind of like how you have a 
you know, like LSU, obviously before Brian Kelly, you know, our football program, you had people who were moderately mediocre in college. They go to the NFL and shine with proper coaching and everything, right? So you have a good baseline. You learn technique. You go to the NFL and you freaking, you know, you excel because now you have proper coaching. And the Marine Corps is almost like that. Marine Corps makes great leaders and great NCOs for other branches, which is funny because a lot of dudes that I grew up in the Marine Corps with got out of the Marine Corps, went to the Army. I know a couple of dudes in the Air Force. One, I think one dude I know is in the Navy. And they're kicking ass and taking names. And I think that's because in the Marine Corps, leadership is taught to us at such a younger younger age or younger in career progression and we're you know like we learn that you know as a corporal we can make decisions you know we're part of the we're not just a part of the the cog anymore we're actually a vital part of that cog we're not just turning and burning anymore and i think that you join the marine corps learn everything that the marine corps can give you in four years six years whatever it is and then you can go to another branch and absolutely freaking demolish, right? Um, that is one thing that I took away from my relation, or well, my conversation with Wesley. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that to an extent, except um, the big challenge that, and this, um, of course, everybody's is gonna be personally ran, but um, the big challenge that I find is uh, life. The longer, I always push these kids to go to college as fast as possible because life gets in the way. And as you know, you did school with wife, kids, all the challenges, yeah. military, all that. And it ain't easy. It ain't, it ain't easy to sit after exhausted, finally got kids in bed and then do schoolwork or do any of those things. And so I always explain to these kids, get your degree as fast as possible because in reality, Wesley kind of delayed his career path for officer by doing the Marine Corps in oh, absolutely. Sense, yeah. In, in the sense of um, the like doing the guard per se, it's only one week in a month, but you're getting hell of a lot more benefits. It's focused on you becoming an officer. There is no real distractions per se um, for going that route. And it has a direct transition for it because the hardest piece for me is I've never done anything army. I mean, I'm, I'm your top recruiter every year and I can't tell you about bct uh, basic training other than my brother going through it or my soldiers doing it ait all those the job training all that i just get word of mouth from other people and haven't experienced it and so um i can't hold formations because everybody laughs at me because i'm over there doing my stuff marine corps way and right. i'm not doing army way and so um but also i've learned all of the branches uh, have a purpose uh, a mission per se so like marine corps is the smallest branch so they're they don't need every single person right the army is a million something people so they 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 can be more adaptive like if you don't ever want to see combat i can put you in a position that never sees combat because you're going to be behind a desk and unless you go to an infantry unit or something I and mean, let's be real there's no combat really going on in the world other than here in the united states with all the bs but um but 
I I could put you in a position and you may never see combat because it's not like the Marine Corps where I'm a truck driver and then all of a sudden I become a machine gunner and I'm probably your most qualified radio operator just because of the diverse training that you receive over time because everybody's got to be able to do everybody's job. Right. And I, I, I don't know if you'd get that opportunity to have such a diverse sort of portfolio in any other branch because you have so many specialists. You know, the Army is so big compared to the Marine Corps. Yeah. It's like, how many dudes do you know in the Army that, for example, have six MOSs? You know what I mean? Like, that's just that's just not a thing in any other branch because they're so much larger. And the Marine Corps needs need. You know, like a lot of people say, like the Marine Corps can do more with less. And it's true because you can have a dude like me who can wear 11 hats, who could do the job of 11 people, um, at least until my hips give out. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's a lot more fatigue, I think. But, you know, wearing multiple hats can definitely be done. Yeah. So um, let's we're at about an hour and 10 minutes now. So let's sort of get to the major question. Right. Which is. Obviously, you got out the reserves. There was a little bit of downtime there, and then you decided, I'm going to go. Um, you didn't call it active reserves. What What are you technically in? It's, it's AGR. It's active guard reserve. You have to be so, in that component to get an active retirement. So it's active reserve. Yeah. Okay, so basically active reserves, right? So you decided, okay, I'm now I'm going to join the active reserves in the army, and now I'm going to become a recruiter. So let's talk about very uh, quickly what. What uh, that decision, what led you to that decision? And then also, you know, like, what do you look for in your uh, potential candidates, whether it be for, you know, officer, enlisted, you know, all that other fun stuff? Yeah. So. Um, so the decision to go Army National Guard was uh, not a willful decision. Um, so uh, uh, we lost COVID hit. Everybody's working remote. We got told our doors would be shut. Investors bought us out for pennies on the dollar when the market crashed to negative $35 a barrel. Um, so when you're working for your father-in-law's business and he owns it, you're not usually planning on losing your job. But that was 45 days later, door shut. So all I said in my head was my wife was a teacher. So if you max out your health care benefits as a teacher, she would spend 25 grand that year. Um, so I was like, I don't want that. Um, so I said, uh, I called the Marine Corps to go back to the Marine Corps reserves and they said I had to wait till November, um, when they did promotion numbers to put me in the numbers for enlist for how many staff owners they accept next year. Um, and so I said, Hey man, I can't wait that long. I need to join now. And so I called the guard and they said, we can get you in in six weeks. And so, um, I chewed my recruiter's ass one time, uh, before I enlisted. And then the day I enlisted, I said, you better not take a picture of me. You better not video me. I don't want to see you um, or I'll come to your house and I'll beat you up. So I didn't want anybody to know I joined the guard. I wouldn't even send a picture to my best friend that's a first sergeant in, in Camp Pendleton. And uh, he uh, he would text me all the time. So I joined the guard. I go to three job interviews. And I've always said I'd never be in the Army and I'd never be a recruiter. That's always been, I got an uncle that's a retired Sergeant Major in the Army. And that's always been a statement of mine. I was highly embarrassed that I joined the Army National Guard. Um, and so I said, I went to the third interview and the, got in an argument with the regional manager in the interview. So obviously I didn't get the job. And I left and um, I called my recruiter. I'm like, you got any active duty opportunities? He said, you want to be a recruiter? I was like, no. 
not a chance in hell. And he goes, well, that's all we got. And I was like, all right, you know what? Let's do it. I didn't ask my wife, which I probably should have done first. Um, but I went home and told my wife, hey, I'm going to be a recruiter. She's like, well, you suck at sales. Like, you're not going to be a good sales guy. You don't lie to people, like all this crap. And so I agreed with her and all of that. Um, this is my most favorite job I've ever had. It's opened my eyes highly to how the military operates. Um, uh, the I'm, I'm highly successful. I'm not going to put all my numbers out there, but I do pretty well at recruiting. Um, and I actually love what I do. And I don't really have any criteria to look um, into people joining other than qualified, right? They got to be qualified to join because I believe that the process maps out who they're going to be. And so that's not a deciding factor for me. Um, but my favorite applicants to put in are the ones that are struggling, the ones that just can't get in that easily and they have to work at it and all that stuff. And I'm sure we've heard the motivational quote from people that uh, I watched it today that said, you know, oh, the special forces thing, the guys that wash up at BUDS uh, for Navy SEALs is usually the athlete. So the college athlete that's been, you know, doing this all the time and that's been their focus or the buff dude, the big jack guy that comes in or whatever. And it's the scrawny kid that's got to make it. He's the one that makes it through. Um, and so because those are the people that enjoy what they do and what they're becoming and they make something of their military experience for bettering their future. Um, I put in a girl with three different kids with three different dads, had to go through legal. She's been told no by like five different recruiters and all that stuff. And now she's in Kuwait. She's probably gonna come home with 90 to 100,000 bucks in the bank, get a post 9-11 GI Bill and all kinds of stuff. And I've changed her entire life. Not me personally, she did all the work, but I've facilitated the process for changing right. her her environment and so that's that's what i enjoy for it but um i'm not as choosy as the marine corps is because I, I you saw on the group text who i ran into uh staff sergeant abby's out here and mm -hmm. um but uh, i'm not as picky as the marine corps is but uh but i i put into i think what makes me successful is i don't lie to kids Tell them everything there is. I can tell them about active duty. I'm one of the most versatile recruiters. Not many recruiters have been active duty in the Federal Reserves and now the Guard. Um, I offer more benefits than any other branch of the military. So I'm the only military branch that while you serve, I can pay for 100% of your education. And that was the Yeah, so uh, I was talking to a guy, not to cut you off, but I was talking to a guy, a friend of mine out here, his name's Noah Cunningham. I, I want to say he's like a staff sergeant in the reserves. I mean, in the in the guard, right? And uh, dude, the benefits of the guard is fucking crazy. Yeah, crazy. So tell tell me everything, right? Uh, I'm I'm thinking about joining the National Guard. Not me, but as if I was, right? So I mean, just walk me through all the benefits because Noah tried to explain them to me, and I was just like, mine was blown at how much benefits the state of Texas offers uh, its guardsmen. Louisiana has more more benefits, and so uh, Louisiana, as long as you're a part of the guard you're getting full tuition coverage at a, at a college. So just being a part of the Guard. Um, the Marine Corps, or the, the Marine Corps, the Texas Army National Guard, we have a cap because we have the Hazelwood Act as well. Um, mm -hmm. You gotta have 181 days of federal service to get the Hazelwood Act. But because we have that additional topper, they have a cap on the price. 
And so uh, it's $9,000 state, so $4,500 per semester, plus $4,000 federal TA, which every other branch gets. The GI Bill is $407 a month, plus a $350 kicker if you score above a 50 on the ASVAB. So you're getting $757 God. a month, plus $6,500 a month. And then if you do our ROTC program, it makes you non-deployable, um, pays you as a sergeant, and you get a $420 stipend on top of the GI Bill, the GI Bill kicker. Um, and then when you get to the end of that program, unlike the other ROTC programs, because everybody's heard of Army, Navy, Air Force, ROTC, once you complete those, you owe them a commitment on the back end. Well, mm -hmm. ours don't have that crazy commitment. You have, uh, you can choose which direction you want to go. You can stay enlisted. You can do part-time officer, or it's a direct path into active duty as an officer. And you're, the difference in our ROTC and the others is you're actually serving while you're doing it. So you're getting time and service. So that's how you get that OE pay. And that's where we were talking about that 75 grand a year starting out. So just to put that into perspective for people who are listening, when I when I went to college, I got, I think it's like chapter 36, which is the post 9-11, like a reserve GI Bill. Uh, I got $368 a month. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That is it. $360 a month. And it was prorated. It was well, fucking prorated. Well, and you, you didn't know, but you got the 4000 federal a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, uh, the $4,000 is no, a so, drop, you know. Well, and the difference in the Army and the Marine Corps is they have credentialing assistance. So, like my brother's going to school for cybersecurity at UTSA. And he can use state and GI Bill, and he doesn't have to touch federal while he's getting cybersecurity licenses on the side, all paid for. And so you can double hat it all and just yeah, and get it. I mean, it is it's insane the crap that you can do uh, in the guard, and then uh, because we're the only dual mission force of the military, we're state and federal. So every right. other branch is federal, and we're the only one that's both. And so we we deploy more than every other branch right now too. And so that's the other crazy part. And our deployments are are pretty uh, comparative to yeah. my previous deployments. It's it's a it's a good chunk of change that you're putting away. So right and, and experience another country. Cool, cool. So um, let's uh, let's talk about. So if uh, if they're so, do you recruit for just the Houston area, or can you recruit anyone in the state of Texas, or? Yeah, I, I recruit everybody in the state of Texas, anybody that wants to come to the state of Texas, because we're the only airborne west of the Mississippi. We're one of eight states that has special forces. Um, so if you want to do special forces part time, Tim Kennedy is a part of our special forces in San Antonio. Uh, we've, I've got units that can send you airborne ranger, air assault. Um, I mean, literally the sky is the limit in Texas. We're the largest state with the National Guard, but I can put in anybody that's not in high school. So uh, I can put in as young as a junior in high school, 17 years old. So I'm one of the only branches that can, Army is the only branch that can touch a junior in high school because they go to boot camp in between their junior and senior year. Mm -hmm. um, and the difference is they start their service while they're in high school. So I have a kid that's been in the military a year and four months right now. And Still in high school. Here in high school. Yeah. And he's already that's pretty cool. Basically. That's badass. Uh, so yeah. if someone uh, someone's listening and you know they obviously have inquiries, they want to reach out to you. How can we how can we go ahead and do that? They can just text me or call me at 713-726-4900. Perfect. Or hit your Perfect. shop up, buy something, and then give me a call. 
There you go. I'll definitely uh, push you guys uh, Chase's way. So, uh, guys, uh, this has sort of been a really good insight, I think, into seeing someone who, you know, obviously wore so many different hats, you know, active duty Marine Corps, reserve Marine Corps, got out. Now you're doing the, you know, the National Guard, active guard thing. So you got you got to pretty much see just about everything that the Marine or not, not just the Marine Corps, but, you know, several you know different branches and. You get to you got to see a lot of what the military in general has to offer. So if anyone has any questions with regards to sort of any of those hats that Chase wears, uh, by all means, you can hit him up. He's obviously a wealth of knowledge uh, about as far as that, except for condition two on the 50 cal, which I had to throw that in there, uh, which what does that plaque say? There's a plaque behind you. It that's says the only, that's the only that, way that it's legitimate. All right, I was just about to give you a shout out that I buy all, all of my weapons, <laughs> buy everything from you. Yeah, uh, but um, but I'll never buy that Barrett 50 cal that I'll buy from you because you believe that condition two applies when you're not changing the state of the weapon because the rounds are still on the feed tray no matter what they're touching. Oh my God! But it takes an action to get it. From under the it feed doesn't tray, change feed tray the state of the weapon. It literally does. It does I don't not, know what to tell you. No, because I can I cannot be lazy and open the feed tray and put it against the feed stop and call it. Yeah, and then you'll be conditioned two, which I totally understand. You're going straight from four to two, and that's easy. Condition three rounds on the feed tray. There's nothing about where it is inserted to. It's just rounds on the feed tray. Mm-hmm. So explain to me, if you're in a tank bunker, right, if you're in a bunker and you can't open the feed tray all the way, how can you go from four to one if you can't open the feed tray cover all the way? You charge the weapon twice, but the rounds still so you're gone from four. Stay, the rounds still stay on the feed tray. They don't change their location. They just move a little closer to getting oh, to, the, to the chamber. That'll be I'm the one thing they will close bolt, open bolt, like all this crap is going through my. That'll be the one thing they will always disagree on. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, always, always. So, uh, guys, uh, without further ado, uh, Staff Sergeant Turner, if you guys are interested in joining the Texas National Guard or have any questions uh, with regards to that, by all means, hit up my my very close friend Chase. Uh, and actually, the reason why I texted you the other day, uh, the thing came up. It was like two years or whatever since you had all that shit set up on your kitchen counter. Okay. Uh, and I got to see all that stuff, so that was pretty interesting. But uh, shout out, and you didn't say anything back to her. So you're in trouble with Alyssa. So I'm just saying. She gave me a shout out. Yeah, she was wearing your shirt and took a picture and tagged you in it and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but I don't. It, that's not entirely my fault. I don't. A lot of people tag me and stuff, and I don't get a lot of notifications. So I, now you're I need to find my wife, them. not me. So I don't. You know. She tagged the shop, or she tagged me. She tagged you. Are we even friends on Facebook? I don't, I don't know. Y'all can work out all those details. All right, I'll add her and then we'll figure it out and then I'll, I'll tell her thank you and I'm sorry and all that fun stuff. So tell her, tell her I apologize. But That's Chase, buddy, thank you, uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. It was a pleasure as always, um, and I definitely look forward to when you decide to swing on by the shop and come pick up your suppressors. Yeah, definitely, bud. Thanks for having me. So, all right, buddy. Thanks, man. Have a good night, bud. Yeah, you too. All right, man. Later. <laughs>